0: Mortal Kombat! That's Film Fight Club on 2SCR with Glenn Falkenstein from Falcon Screen.
1: And Virat Nehru from Sub-Zero Temperatures.
2: Get over here! It's Chris Evans!
0: Scorpion. And we are covering Mortal Kombat, not the wonderful 1995 version, but the new version which is in cinemas now.
2: We will test our might against its clutches, I guess.
0: The outside realm, development hell, long-awaited new version. And we will also be covering those who wish me dead or those who wish us that are giving internal confused, which had some preview screenings this weekend, the embargo we were advised to have lifted yesterday and it is in cinemas tomorrow.
2: yeah, look, I, I, just up front. They shifted the embargo in this this movie after we already agreed to it from yesterday to tomorrow morning, but we think it's unreasonable to hold us to an embargo when this screen movie has already screened publicly. Anyone can comment on this film now. It's out in the open. Exactly.
1: And I'm not saying that the movie is good or bad, but the fact that the embargo was changed... After we've seen the movie, indicative of something. Well, we will be yeah. commenting
0: whether the film is good or bad, as we would with um, any other film. But for first, we are talking about news of the week. The uh, Geelong Pride Film Festival and the Spanish Film Festival Australia are screening latter in person, the former online, until Sunday. The Sydney South African Film Festival kicks off tomorrow night. It runs through the 24th. You can read a piece by yours truly on SBS, which should have gone up by the time this goes to air. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a nice, nice chat with the festival director, and yeah, third year running, they've gone for a hybrid approach this year from having gone in person to fully online, and they've got some good films, and um, notably a lot more documentaries than any other year because that's what's being released now, and a lot of contemporary stuff, which is very relevant given what's going on in South Africa. The Static Vision Dreamscapes, their third festival, is happening in person at the Pink Flamingo Cinema from tomorrow night through to Sunday. And the, I believe it's their
2: second in-person festival. They were finally able to do what they planned to do around mid, mid to late last year so congrats guys I hope for a good festival
0: a yeah, big effort from uh, Felix Hupper and Connor Bateman and it's always fun I've been to the festivals before it's not just interesting films that you absolutely will not see anywhere else but a good vibe good people and uh, just curious look it's one of those where I don't really know what I'm in for but I trust their curatorial vision and eclecticism so I'm down for it
2: there's some awesome retrospectives there as well where you do know what you're in for like Nightmare on Elm Street and Paprika so some fun movies screening yeah
0: so that's over in McAfee on the weekend, just around the corner from, um, what, Batch and a few of the breweries, so cool. Um, the Australian Silent Film Festival is also happening on Saturday and the German Film Festival Australia kicks off at PAL cinemas around the country from Saturday. But for now, we're talking Mortal Kombat. Mortal
1: Kombat!
0: From Australian director Simon McQuaid, his first feature. It is based on the classic and beloved game. It is a new version of the f- uh, game, which has already been adapted in 1995. 96? 95. 95, excuse me. There was a sequel to. It remains, I don't think it's ever been a great video game adaptation, but the original may be my favorite.
2: Yeah, the original does a lot of things right in that it is played as serious but extremely (laughs) knowingly cheesy. Um, It's funny because a lot of the things that I'm about to criticize the new one for you could say about the original. Like it has a bunch of um, cheap-looking sets and uh, bad special effects, but it's, it's just that movie has the right... Uh, Again, knowingly cheesy tone to make that kind of thing work. Whereas the new one, anyway, I'll let you guys intro it.
0: Yeah, there's, look, it has, like the guy got his soul sucked out, simply no soul. When they had these sorts of equivalent scenes in the first one, they were fun. There's just a feeling that this has to be part, not only that it has to be part of the universe, but that because you know this property, you will like it and it will be successful. And that hubris has brought this film down.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. I, I think I think part of the problem is the fact that it's targeted towards these 90s kids who are now, well, millennials of whatever age. And they just want to... Rem- and we we kind of are like man children anyway, yeah, you know. And so we're the, kind of like overgrown man kids who are just like, oh my god, my childhood. He is said not the ruined. thing
2: from the game. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> it's it's Ready Player One all over again. Essentially. Can, can I just say how funny it is that we skipped the plot description? <laughs> okay, the, the,
0: the, the <laughs> what, plot, what is right, the plot? The plot description is that we open on what is actually a good scene and the only really good scene in the movie, uh, four hundred years ago, where we see Scorpion and his family attacked by Sub Zero. There's a well, and there's a good, cleanly shot fight scene. We flash forward some hundreds of years. We meet an MNA, MMA fighter who's not a character in Mortal Kombat. He's Called a big dude face. <laughs> face. I will tell you, the only thing I can tell you about this guy is, is that he has a family he cares about. and He's an MMA fighter. He has these flashbacks, what he thinks are flashbacks. We know they are visions of his ancestor. Scorpion, and we find that he is now part of this journey to Mortal Kombat. Where if we, if the Mortal Kombat team lose the or the team lose in Mortal Kombat in the next round, then Outworld will invade Earth and everything will be lost.
1: Okay, so there is apparently a prophecy also involved because of it's course the there the, the first
0: prophecy. film guys without of Mortal co- Kombat. Of
1: course, there is Ye- a prophecy. So there are ten rounds of fighting, and uh, the Earth realm has lost
2: nine out of ten, yep. which is doing pretty badly. Guys, I mean, come yeah. on! But let's, then let's a again. hero rises. But for some reason, <laughs> the McDude face. Who they've chosen to be the protagonist is not a character from the games, and all the characters from the games are so colorful and ridiculous. I know he's just normal Cole, and it's exactly th- with a name like Cole, like what 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 is that name?
1: It's not a name that belongs in the Mortal Kombat universe. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like with yeah. crazy Cole. crazy names.
0: But it's worse than that. Cole, we talked about this in the context of Milan and a bunch of other Disney stuff. But he's an MMA fighter. But it's not that he trains and becomes better like some of the other characters. He was born for this oh, role. Yeah. He's like a Disney he's prince. A or a Disney prince. He's a chosen one. And yes, this happened in Mortal Kombat 30 years ago, but then we weren't so used to it. Now it's just so saturated and they're playing off those tropes and ideas. They know you've seen these sorts of films before, and you're just going to fall for this guy because he's handsome and he has a family and he's the chosen one. So you go, Cole.
2: You're getting at my main criticism of the film, which is that everything I think is just ticking off boxes for what is obligated to be in this film. Um, So it ends up feeling... As you said before, Glenn, like Soulless, it's a really corporate construction. So I see it as a bunch of elements that they have to tick the boxes of, like MCU type world building, and the quippiness, um, Zack Snyder style visuals with the these kind of slow mo CGI. But even then, I mean, bits. it's not
1: even impressive in the way the fight scenes are choreographed or anything else. Apart oh, no, no, it's the not. One, apart from the first one. Um, Which was already there in the teaser. So actually, they showed the best fight sequence in 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 the teaser and mm. the lead up to that. And then like, oh, yay, it'll be a great film. And then like, ah, oh, well, no, I saw the best.
2: Thing. The trailer was great. The trailer yeah. had fantastic editing. Yeah, but um, the trailer hinted it's a better film than it is. Yeah, the trailer hinted at a sense of fun that's not there in the finished product because I think to make some of the silly things that Mortal Kombat's all about, like ridiculous gore or the the spouting the catchphrases, to make them work in the context of a live action film you need to strike a very specific tone, but they've retrofitted those onto this kind of blandly sanitized MCU-esque tone. So... Um, it's just in fixing Justice League so in, level th- when characters say you know fatality or finish him yeah. or you know finish him yeah it, it always feels weirdly out of place like they're just why are you saying that because it yeah, just it's doesn't like cause, fit
1: because the rest of the dialogue is pretty normal right it's, yeah. it's
2: taking itself reasonably seriously so you know when the part where Kano says Kano wins was hysterical <laughs> then
0: the, the one time look, one of the things I don't like about the first film there's a bunch of people who proclaim false victories when they aren't false victories there's one time in this film where someone does claim a flawless victory and it's true i'll give them credit where credit's due <laughs> but it's just so lifeless and boring you can just see him not caring and it's the same with the expositioned up the actress who plays Sonia blade in australian she's i think the best of the um of probably with oh, the man. actors, excepting the old generation who were good—the guys who played Sub Zero and um, but and Scorpion. But they got he just stuffed with this huge exposition dump, but it's boring the, and terrible. The
2: Japanese actors in this are terrific. Yes, they got Tadano Osano and Hiroyuki sanada I think yes. Th- those yeah. guys are fantastic. Yeah, the, the old generation—they're they're good. This movie is way below the, the the grade of these
0: guys. It's below the grade of the other actors too. Honestly, but
2: honestly, the whole thing feels really TV ish. Like, I felt like it's, like, TV acting and flat TV-like cinematography and bad sets. And like I was saying, like, the chintzy sets I could go along with if the movie was striking this kind of tone. Like, we know, guys, it's a B-movie, but the but movie yeah, wants you to invest more in it and believe in it, its universe, and it's a, a kind of uncanny vibe that I no,
1: get. The, the problem is, and I think this is a big problem in all the corporate kind ventures that are coming out, it's you can make a Mortal Kombat movie nobody's stopping you to make it but the fact is it has to be made by someone who actually cares about Mortal Kombat somebody actually who is a nerd and Mm -hmm. the fact is it's clearly not made by anyone who had any idea about the actual game and what it meant for playing the game
0: okay I think the broad. I think that's true as a prize the broad the broader universe. As regards to the action scenes, I actually disagree a bit. They play out, for someone who's spent a lot of time in 1989 and other arcade bars playing Mortal Kombat, they play out like a lot of gameplay does in like with the staggered rounds in terms of the action. There's also a hilarious bit, which is I think some of Iron online where at the beginning of a match, the character just sweeps his legs under the guy just to knock off some points, which is a cheap but regular way people generally act at the opening of rounds in Mortal Kombat. So little things like that, I did enjoy. It showed a knowledge of the game, even if the ineffection for it, as Virat said, I don't feel came across.
2: I, yeah, I, I don't think there's that genuine love of trying to get at the spirit of what this is about. It's more the, the checklist approach. I also just want to clarify before when I said it's like TV level. No, look, there's, there's great stuff on TV these days, technically. When I say TV level, I mean it's like TV soap opera. Like it's like watching an episode of Arrow type level cinematography and acting.
0: And, and Arrow is fine, but I get 24 of those a year. Right. I mean, this is a two hour movie. I expect a different level of production design.
1: The writing is just terrible. Um, Dialogues are terrible as well. I mean, the basic problem with this film is it, it's trying to get all the catchphrases in and strike the creepy yeah. tone, but at the same time, the rest of the dialogue is pretty straightforward as if from a serious
2: dramatic film. Yeah, so when they say the catchphrases, it doesn't work, right? It just work, feels right. so out of place. It I'm does, like, yeah. It's like, wait, what? Catch- Finish him where? Why, why? The funniest <laughs> example. <wrong> with you? <laughs> right. The funniest example of that is when Scorpion, because it's his catchphrase, says, get over here, even though they've made a point of having him speak exclusively in Japanese with subtitles yeah. for the rest of the film. <laughs> and I liked when they
0: were conversing in Mandarin and Japanese at the beginning of the film, mm. and that really worked when they couldn't quite... was it clear as which they can understand each other. That also worked. I like the use of different languages in films. It doesn't really have to be direct and blatant, but so much of this film was.
2: Yeah. Um, actually... The other thing about the way that the, the dialogue doesn't work well, I think, uh, separate but related criticism Kano as Josh Lawson is the oh really God. Aussie guy the Australian mate we're going to we, we 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 going to wreck this joint Yeah he yeah. I mean he put in great effort with a really annoying character yeah. but um he, 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 he I would say he's the best actor in it outside of the Japanese guys
0: I would give it to Sonia
2: wait oh mate Sonia Get over, get over here get boy. over here yeah. but the thing with um,
0: the thing it, with it costs an actual strain I give them some credit for yeah. that
2: but the thing with Kano <laughs> is he has all these Joss Whedon type Avengers-esque quips and as an actual Australian who
0: knows what actual Aussie blokes are like it just doesn't Joe oh, right. no, we don't speak like this. And I know I don't speak like <laughs> what... I, I don't know how I sound, but, yeah, we don't speak like this. But, like, this. Yeah, yeah, there's
2: there's a way that macho Aussie blokes speak, and it's not like that. Um, I mean, at least watch
1: Crocodile Dundee again and at least do a good Paul Hogan yeah, impression. Right, no, right. No, no, go, no go watch Wicked Fright.
2: <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> <Just laughs> want a do real a, idea. Just do, a, Those base, guys go, just do a basic caricature at least. To g- give it a, a bit of a sense of how bad the writing in this film is, um, I I look at the way that they're just with no effort at all um, pushing the square peg of this McDude face in a (laughs) Mortal Kombat plot into... He's
0: very responsible as regards his family's safety on multiple occasions, I've got to say. True.
2: Um, (laughs) Through the the round hole of Hero's Journey beats that they haven't properly integrated into this script. So early on when he's told about the fantastical world of Mortal Kombat for the first time, he basically straight away volunteers like, yep, I'm in, I want to kill some weird monsters, yeah. sure. No, no yeah. self-doubt, and no questioning. Yeah, like, no what questioning. do you mean? But then midway through the movie, when it's time for the, the point where the hero um, refuses the call, but then has a change of heart, You know, as uh, Campbell would put it out for you, um, it's like, oh, you haven't got your powers yet you know we doubt you and then he's just like oh i'm out i'm i'm just just like that just as easily as he was in he's suddenly out and then 5 minutes later he changes his mind again it's like, so it's no, like we I, did it yeah. we ticked off the boxes of the hero's journey it's all there congrats guys but um
1: i mean but what else pick a more heroic name cole just doesn't inspire anything I, um, it's just sad.
0: Something, I, I don't have a problem with his name. Something I did really have a problem with. Um, we talked about this in the context of Milan. And also The Lion King. I keep referring to these. And someone who has a facial scar, this is a big issue. Scars equal bad in these movies. Scars is bad for coding. But this movie takes us to an extreme level. All the bad guys either have scars or get scars. The good guys and bad, like serious, like very visible scars. The good guys not only don't have scars, but in the case where this good guy who has a scar, he loses it at one point in the film and becomes... Pure pure and pristine because he's a good guy it's actually offensive it's not yeah. funny and it's not cool movies need to stop doing this lift your writing game like, this is a big budget film and even if it isn't you shouldn't they should know better as someone who has a much more visible than glenn's facial scar
2: right now as well i you know i i, I i'm all for us turning film fight club into this scarred lives matter <laughs> show but, um, matter. but uh what else um it feels really cramped budget wise, right? Yeah, Like a few things have good CGI and the rest of the CG is terrible. Like when I'm, the fireballs I'm qu- I'm come quest- out.
1: I'm questioning the official budget that the- Yeah, they, they said
2: 95 million initially, but then there was a variety thing that said 55 million. That sounds more like it. Uh, and, and
1: they're going with that because uh, from the
2: budget and the how much they've recovered. Oh yeah, this is a big million, hit.
1: And then it's a big hit
2: apparently. Um, but the gore is another thing I wanted to address. It, to me, it doesn't work in this movie. It just feels gross because it, I again... It's not the tone. Th- yeah, that's it. It's the question of tone. You need to strike a certain tone for, like, Ridiculous Gore to make me laugh. But this movie is going with, again, that MCU tone. So when suddenly a hero crushes a guy's head, it's like, oh, jeez. Yeah. You know, that was unnecessary. But then the problem is it thinks it's like in
1: Edgar Wright territory with Shaun of the Dead kind of style.
2: Yeah, but that but, but he nailed not. the tone for but the yeah, oh, not, oh, yeah. Hot Fuzz. Yeah. That had some extreme uh, gross gore and yeah. it was hilarious yeah. and fit with what that movie was doing. Yeah. Here it does not.
0: No. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all over the place. Um, that is Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it I is mean, in cinemas now. Yeah. Go I watch guess. the original. Test oh. test your
2: mortality. We, okay, actually, one more thing. We didn't address how in Mortal Kombat there's no tournament. Like
0: yeah. just oh, it's all set up for a sequel. Uh, we talk. Uh, what's that terrible um, Charlie Saran film from last year? They always oh think, yeah, the old guy. Uh, yeah, you, you make it make one, but then save the next stuff for the sequel because we're going to make a sequel. No, just show us what is the film was about. Show us one is entertaining. And also, I'm sick of this mod- you, you, you no know, one is entitled to a cinematic universe.
2: Yeah, Model Combat the game in the sequels is just it's another Model Combat tournament ninety percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, so just at like least it, show the first one. Yeah, to mod- have another one. Model Combat <laughs> is about a tournament but for some reason they've made this movie about an assassination attempt on the people before they come to the tournament so that they can drag it out so the tournament's probably not even going to start until the end of the second one. Uh, Ugh
0: anyway it's it's a fair criticism and very frustrating we didn't get what we thought we paid for but hey that's mortal Kombat. go see go see the original and go to 1999 and play the original arcade game It's a lot of fun so, you're listening to the film Fight Club on 2 with Glenn Falcon, Sanker, Simmons of Ratneru. The next film we're talking about is Those Who Wish Me Dead. It is from Taylor Sheridan, written and directed by Taylor Sheridan, who wrote and directed Wind River and wrote Sicario and Hella High Water. It is starring Angela Jolie, John Bernthal, Nicholas Holt, Aidan Gillen, Finn Little, Medina Senghor, and Tyler Perry. It's about a firefighter played by Jolie in the Pacific Northwest, suffering from PTSD from an event she experienced in a professional role, who uh, goes to work at a tower in the remote part of the Pacific Northwest to watch out for fires. And that is where she and John Bernthal's local cop, Owen's conflict with two assassins played by Holt and Gillen, who's best known for playing Peter Baelish on Game of Thrones, and the assassins are after a father and child. This is not a good movie. This is not a good movie for a lot of reasons. I really like Taylor Sheridan's other films. I think, while I think Wind River is good, I do think it is the weakest of the three. I think he's a much better writer writer than than his director, director, but then this is the standard... Pulpy thriller. I mean, the explanation for why the bad guys are after the guys it's just this goes all the way to the top. It involves congressmen and finance. Yeah,
2: exactly. That's an example of why it's There's bad. Some, some thing that we need to get this guy for. When Jeffrey was, Epstein? Yeah, when I was watching. This is about Jeffrey Epstein's son being <laughs> saved, but
0: i considered that with God. Oh, oh, God. When no. I was watching. Because they didn't
2: give you any information, so it yeah. could be. <laughs>
1: But um, <laughs> when I was watching with Chris uh, and I was sitting there, and for the first time, the music kicks oh, in, the, which is right at the, the start. Sin- the sinister music—it's like call. something sinister is about to
0: happen, and that's it's just like the Dark Knight. That's it. Of, if the Dark Knight theme, it, you're like it's Batman. Okay. The music cues. Everything in this film is very loud. Two very crucial obvious.
2: points about the writing: one, it's based on a book, which, as I understand it, they've ma- taken some liberties from for the worst, Clearly. from what I've heard about the original Clearly. book. Yeah. And two. Taylor Sheridan also wrote Sicario 2. Oh, sorry, I didn't. Yes, okay. And this is way more in line with that in terms of trashy pulp thriller territory. All
0: right, and there's a perfect comparison point with Sicario 2 where Sicario 1, very realistic, very good gritty drama. We watched it recently. I've seen it like five times. It's a good movie. Fantastic movie. movie. In Sicario 2, we're not going to ruin it, but characters become very powerful they can have uh, uh, they can survive just about anything for the purposes of the plot yeah and this happened in several occasions people thrills. survive serious falls people survive serious car crashes and people survive serious burns and just continue going on as per normal without any um, inability to get around it's a big problem and it just takes you out of the movie and just and takes you out of reality when the guns come out people take endless shots before
2: they finally go down, and we had a discussion after we saw the movie about how this is like the um, the superheroization of every movie, and I would yeah. also say the the first person shooter influence. So you know, um, people just don't die as easily. Oh, anymore. Also,
0: always confirm the kill. Goddamn cheap writing. Cheap just always confirm the kill.
2: Right. But yeah, we're we're living in an age where people feel like they have to compete with video games where everyone's a bullet sponge or superhero action where people take endless pulverization before they go down. Um, And so in gritty thrillers, suddenly we're getting that kind of action. Um, But the, the comparison to the superhero type movies goes further than that because there's a really fake digital green screen look to okay. this film, which really should have been about the beauty of the natural environment and a situation um, of the viewer in, in the place and space. But you don't get that because, um, one, the direction gives you such little spatial detail, and two, so much of it is against a green screen.
1: Okay, this brings me to the central problem of the film. This film is about fires or about a fire, right? Yeah. And... Nothing in the film convinces you that the fire is supposedly operating in the way fire should be operating. It is actually the most unbelievable plot point in the entire film because nothing in the film convinces you that this fire is threatening in any sense of the way. And, like. it,
0: and it operates in the way that fire should be operating. All right, two things to that. I agree. Um, to, I think To elaborate in my view... The fire, look, obviously, we know from Australia and from other countries and experiences around the world that fire scenarios can change very rapidly, can move slow, and can move very fast. However, this fire moves either incredibly slow, incredibly fast for the purposes of um, introducing drama and heightening stakes and plot elements and it is very it doesn't feel real it doesn't feel like a realistic environment moreover I appreciate that they wanted to film in a safe environment uh, we have seen films where they've used CGI for the purpose of fire almost exclusively or used real fire and controlled environments I appreciate I think the approach can be effective but in this almost about all the fire as referenced is CGI and as filmed, I believe that can still be compelling and dramatic mm. but as filmed and as framed not only does it look fake it, 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 it does so it does doesn't come across as compelling, but for people who, whether in Australia or America and other countries, have experienced very brutal fire seasons, know what this looks like, and it takes us out of the reality yet again by looking at this very, I think, poorly rendered CGI of a fire scenario. I
2: mean, I think every Australian was glued to their screens when some of the horrifying images out of Malakuta came out, right?
0: Without question.
2: W- w- yeah, when you've seen that, you look at this movie and it's just kind of laughable. Um, but it's not just that, because it's how fires supposedly affect yes. and impact individuals
1: and how you can, you know, how much visibility is there and how, how much smoke you can inhale exactly. while you're running like, around and fighting. The, pieces. Basic I mean, the basic logic of, you know, how fires are operating. It's just this mm. film just doesn't understand how fires That's work. That's
2: it. It's it's also just a missed opportunity on a writing level. The fires give them a hook for this film and a big image for the trailers, but they set off a fire and then there's no sense of. Oh, the fire's over there. Oh, it's moving quicker to us. It just kind of does its thing whenever it's needed to in the plot. Whereas the
0: zero sense of geography in this movie. Yeah.
2: Whereas the fire could have been uh, something that ratchets up the tension um, and forces the characters to change tact, change their tracks and their plans quickly because of the way it's moving. Instead, it, yeah, it just kind of keeps You, have no, you have no sense of time. I mean, you could have a reverse countdown
1: to basically hatched up tension. It could have been so many ways you could do, where's where's the fire moving? How far it's moved and how much time? So you mm. could have the, you know, a race against the clock kind of kind of a film, yeah. which it was kind of going for at some point. You were waiting for daybreak and you were, you know, you're waiting when the fires might subside. And exactly. none, none of those opportunities are actually-
2: So new. many missed opportunities. But when you say that there's no sense of geography, that extends to everything. Whenever there's a shootout, it's like, hold on. Okay, so this person's peeking his head out from behind a rock. How come they can't see him? Where is he in relation to everybody else? He is not a good director of action
0: in that sense. Okay, I agree, except with... I'll qualify that from my view for two scenes. Both of them, one takes place in a house, uh, one takes place later. That was in good, scene. well staged. Yeah, all the scenes that are well staged take place in close quarters combat. The best scene in the film takes place in a house between three characters. The second best scene involves the two bad guys and John Bernthal, where he is trying to trick them or We're not quite sure what is going on. These are the bits that are well written, where the action is actually well staged. And I like this. But those are the, a few of the only really good scenes in the film for me.
2: Mm.
1: I. I- there's a one laughable scene in, when we going back to spatial geography, where a character has binoculars and they have to identify some people, I was and seeing you are just one, like, yeah. uh, how how is that even possible? Uh, where you know there's no sense of distance, and basically you kind of understand, yeah, you know it just, and there's so much in this film where you kind of feel like it just feels lazy. You know, that there's
0: not what, what actual was, basic effort that needed to be put Oh, in. yeah. And it could have ended 10 minutes earlier. Just what? basic writing, basic conception.
2: What's really strange to me about this film is how much is going on. Um, because there's a whole bunch of subplots. And um, the competing cross-cutting between these different people who are engaged in the action means that um, attempts to, for example, flesh out the Jolie character in terms of her backstory and trauma and etc. don't really go anywhere. I'm fine with the cross-cutting approach if, it, if the film yeah. was just focused on being tight, um, you know, and uh, giving you a sense of ratcheting tension from all of these elements coming together. But again, the lack of the spatial geography um, stops us from feeling the tension of that, and it ends up strangling its own
0: thematic ambitions yeah, you could have had send the center of this film, John Bernthal's character and his wife. Honestly, you could have removed the Jolie character. This film could've worked a lot better. There's, a, there's too much going on here. And also the character arc between her and the child, um, who seems to be very much there given all what he's experienced with physically and emotionally um in the immediate uh, preceding the most of the action, mm. it doesn't strike as real when you're they trying to when they look they switch back to the other scenarios involving John Van Vol and he's w- his character's wife who's six months pregnant and the shifts and the stories are just all yeah, over the place. I mean,
1: I mean the child
0: is He's just a kid. A sarcastic, quippy
1: kid. Yeah. And you're just like, what is he doing in this universe? Which is supposedly so so serious. Once again, there is this I don't know if this is just a trend, but it feels like there is a definitely a corporate mandate to insert quippiness
2: in narratives, which may not require it, to be honest. Mortal Kombat. Look, these yeah. films were both put out by Warner Brothers, and um, please don't uninvite me from your press list, Warner Brothers. There's <laughs> definitely a trend in their recent films between this and and uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, and after some of the stories that have come out in relation to what happened to Justice League... Um, In the wake of the release of the Snyder Cut, it seems like there's a very heavy hand of corporate oversight over all their films at the moment, ever since AT&T uh, took over control of Warner Brothers' pictures. So hopefully that can be released a little bit and we can start seeing some more artistry. Um, but until then, we're going to have to suffer through things like the CGI lightning storm they go through in this film. Why is that even in the film?
1: Not a yeah. good scene. yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if the title of the film was a title for the film because I was just thinking, you know, uh, that this... some other titles for movies would be in a much better place for this one. Yeah, and I also, thought that too.
2: Those Who Wish Me
1: Dead is an awesome title for a film
2: that isn't this one. Yeah.
1: But also, it kind of felt like maybe this is a hint to the audience that they were just telling you. you we'll, feel we'll like we were dead. Yeah. yeah,
0: look, there are much better <laughs> films with this sort of plot. The Client, Mercury Rising, who I actually don't like very much. i talking about the latter. I'm just turning to the casting for a moment. Nicholas Holt, and I think less so Anne Gillen. Look, I think Nicholas Holt's a great actor. Anne Gillen's passable, in my view. It generally... In this, their cast, the characters as written are very dull, reserved characters, but these two actors, particularly Holt, are just so naturally and intendedly charismatic that it works against them. Something I did like about the films of the actors brought out usually in these sorts of villains they're just one note moral but it's clear nicholas holt's character was going to go a lot further than his counterpart and there was a bit of tension between the two of them so a small thing that i did like that you'd often see in pulpy crime and there, thrillers. there is
2: a good scene in relation to that and how far they're willing to go in terms of a hostage
0: yes again the best scene in the film. yeah
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know that there's much to say about this film. More I mean, than
1: that. Uh, the biggest... Once again, the problem is it, it, it sort of hooks around this uh, PTSD scenario with Jolly's character in the flashback. And that's one of the weakest parts of the film. Because it kind of goes nowhere. No, yeah, but also, like, I, I, I was less convinced... Uh, of her story in Iraq and you're supposed to feel so much sympathy, and you're supposed to be on her side. And I kind of wanted her to be like, "Oh, you're such a waste of a person." <laughs> you know, I, I
2: remember saying to you as we were watching this that every movie is about trauma right now. It feels like that's one of the things that's mandated. Like all think pieces are about how this addresses trauma, and you know, I'm I'm, I'm I want to see that done well. I don't want to see that as a shallow surface level addition to an yeah, overcrowded just, script just for the sake to, of it.
0: Go to therapy. Don't don't make uh, a movie about it. <laughs> So that is Those Who Wish Be Dead is in cinemas tomorrow. Not something, unfortunately, we can recommend. Neither Mortal Kombat, which is in cinemas now. We'll be back next week talking The Disciple, a Netflix release. We'd love to talk about Army of the Dead, but so far there's
2: no release lined up, even though they submitted it for classification in Australia. So they dropped $3,000. Please get recoup that money by letting us see it in cinemas. Yeah. We want to support you,
0: Netflix. Great. Marketing RNT Plus. Yeah, we'll see it. It'll be the be lead next week. Check out Static Vision and South African Film Festival. Stay tuned for the Sonic Assassin. Have a wonderful night and enjoy movies. Good night.
2: Bye.